0: Hi, I'm Mackenzie Fagan, and this is 112BK. Beer today, gone tomorrow. You won't want to miss NYC Beer Week. And then women, funny or nah? Tis the saison, NYC Beer Week is Bach. I am so sorry. Almost 40 New York City breweries are participating in Beer Week and nearly half are based here in Brooklyn. We've assembled a few of those Brooklyn brewers today to talk about some of the most pressing issues facing the craft beer industry. Does beer have a race problem? A woman problem? Are breweries still feeling the effects of the government shutdown? How hazy is too hazy? We want to talk about it warts and all. Joining us today are Ann Riley from Five Boroughs. Welcome. Thank you. Kyle Hurst from Big Alice. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And Katarina Martinez from Lineup. Thanks for having me. Um, so we're at a moment when a lot of different industries are sort of gazing inward, um, thinking about if they're being inclusive to marginalized populations. So maybe Ann, we can start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your work um, as vice chair of Pink Boots?
1: Sure, so Pink Boots is a worldwide organization, nonprofit, that's dedicated to the education, inspiration, and development of women in who work in the beer community. And we've recently here in New York City, there's a number of us who've been involved, a number of women who've been involved in the beer community for a number of years. We decided to relaunch the New York City chapter. And in addition to Pink Boots, which is for women who make part of their uh, living in beer, there's also a group called Barley's Angels, which is for women who might not be professionally in beer yet, but definitely are heavily involved.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting is that, actually, when you look historically at beer brewing, it was Primarily the domain of women, yes. right? Like back from the Middle Ages, and something that Isabel, my producer, who's also a, a home brewer, taught me was oh. that the archetypical images of witches with like the pointy hats mm-hmm. and the cauldrons mm-hmm. come from alewives. Yep. Is that yes, right? Can exactly. you know some
2: of that history? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you've probably seen. I talk about this all the time. <laughs> women were the original brewers up until you know, um, what the what era the. What, the Industrial Revolution, basically. Um, when they realized they could make money on it. Yeah, of that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> So, so This labor's
0: valuable.
2: <laughs> but yeah, the witch side of it's pretty fun. I, I learned yeah. that as well. And th- that just means I can be a witch for Halloween every single year. <laughs> That's I mean, I don't right. And be creative about it. So.
0: Um, and so tell me a little bit about, there's a, a pink beer coming out. Is that right? Is that part of Pink Boots?
2: So it's a Pink Boots brew.
1: Okay. Um, there's It's uh, Yakima Chief is one of the major hop producers here in New York, sorry, here in the United States. And uh, for the past couple of years, they've put together what they call the Pink Boots Blend, where a portion of those proceeds for anyone who buys that blend of hops goes back to Pink Boots. And then usually during um, Women's Month in March, multiple breweries organize a women's brew day using those hops. Um, we have a number of them coming up here in the city. Uh, KCBC, who are friends of ours, they recently did theirs, I believe, last week. And as we move past Beer Week, there will probably be at least four more. I know Katarina is working with uh, Randolph on her own um, recipe for that.
0: Will you tell me about what you're developing?
2: Yeah. Um, so Randolph Beer is in Dumbo, um, and they don't have a lot of women uh, in the brew house, but they're very excited to do um, this. use this pink boots blend. And so they pulled me in to make it a collab, um, and they're going to bring all of the Uh, the women that do work in the bar area, in the restaurant to um, come help me brew it. Um, It's gonna be kind of a red IPA, um, because we were trying to get kind of a pinkish uh, tinge to it. Um, but it's going to be d- definitely more uh, West Coast uh, influence. So we're kind of trying to move away from the East Coast IPAs. Um, so, yeah, that's on, we're brewing that on March 7th. Okay. Um, so it should be available uh, probably a couple weeks later. Um, and it'll be at bars and, of course, on tap at Randolph Beer as well.
0: And sticking with you, Kat, I want to talk a little bit about maybe the line between trying to bring more women into the beer industry and pandering in a way that feels like (laughs) um, paternalistic. Uh, You, there's a quote, this is from, (laughs) This is from a a Thilla's
1: piece. (laughs) 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 uh, It's been in a
0: marginal amount of research, not (laughs) too much, don't worry. Um, So you said, I don't believe that there's anything inherently wrong with drawing attention to a woman-run company in a male-dominated industry, or even kitschy femi branding. Uh, It is, however, problematic to assume that your female audience wants a different product than your male audience. Um, So tell me a little bit about how you walk that line between you know, brewing a beer that may be kind of pink in hue right.
2: and being like, beer, now for women. <laughs> right. Um, it's pretty funny because in a lot of these interviews, I get asked, so what kind of beer are you going to make for, as a woman, are you going to make for women? And my answer is always just beer, like regular <laughs> beer. Um, I think what I was trying to say in that quote is, I mean, it, you can be femme and you know still be a feminist, right? You can embrace the color pink we do it in the title of pink boots mm-hmm. uh, i don't make anything any beer that's specifically for women um, i name a lot of beers after bad dates so i think it's relatable to women <laughs> but you know outside of that beers for everybody and there's no style except that except for children yeah. <laughs> yeah. except yes. for people for everyone everyone over 21 exactly. Yes. <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs> so it's you know we there isn't a specific style that uh, women like better. Um, you know, I was just in Germany, and the women drink all the IPAs out there, and the men drink the lager beers. And I think a lot of people think that women like can't handle really hoppy beers, so it, it, it's just not a thing. Um, but it, it, I, I don't know. I think that people think it is for some reason. I don't know. But yes, I, I would love to make a pink beer, um, but. Just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm only going to be making pink beer, you know? Right,
0: sure. Um, I am confused as to why we're not drinking beer right now, personally. Um, So maybe Kyle, could you tell us what you have brought, and uh, can I have it?
3: Yes. (laughs) So I brought today our Kings and Queens of Bavaria. It's actually a three-way collaboration we did uh, between uh, ourselves, Big Alice, uh, Kings uh, County Brewers Collective, KCBC. Uh, and the beer tracker, who's a photographer. So some of the uh, artwork on here is actually a photo from the um, beer trekker and it is a smoked lager and recently won gold in Costa Rica. So this is an internationally okay. acclaimed <laughs> beer.
0: Talk to me about a smoked lager. What's it smoking? How do you smoke it? <laughs> Tell me how you would make that.
3: Well, it, it is legal to smoke this in New York <laughs> Okay, great. <State. laughs> uh, so we're, we're okay with that. I guess, first of all, it's a lager as, as opposed to an ale. Uh, just difference between top fermenting and bottom fermenting yeast. Uh, so s- the smoke part of it is uh, that it's smoked malt. So there's a Beechwood smoked malt. So. We don't actually smoke the beer. The malt that's used to uh, to make the beers uh, smoked. So this one's we've done some other, you know, bigger, more smoky, uh, heavily smoked beers. This one is uh, much more subtle, easy drinking, and uh, you know, as as most loggers are.
0: Great, cheers. 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 Thanks, guys. Cheers. So we have Beer Week coming up. Um, Maybe we'll stick with you, Kyle. Can you tell me a little bit about what Beer Week is, how long you've been involved, and and how people can participate?
3: Um, so, yeah, um, I think I'm the oldest brewery in the in the room, uh, which is weird because I still feel like we're brand new. But um, so New York City Beer Week started around 10 years ago, um, you know, just by the you know handful of uh, brewers that existed, most of which the, uh, most of them at the time were based in Brooklyn. Um, you know, now we have you know 40 ish and uh, there's a you know, healthy contingent uh, in Queens now as well, but we, you know, we do have member breweries in, in all five boroughs. Um, so it's a chance for breweries and retailers to kind of you know, highlight craft beer in New York City, uh, but also feature New York City made uh, beers.
0: All right, and you guys are all participating with the breweries? Yes, yes. Excellent. Um, And we'll make sure that people have the website so they can check out Mm -hmm. all the related events. Um, Now that we have drinks, maybe we can talk about race. Um, Nice segue. (laughs) So there was um, recently a a blog post that I read, and I actually forget the author, but um, it was sort of taking the craft beer community to task for not addressing race in maybe the same way that um, gender economic inequality has been discussed, and they talked in particular about the founders, the lawsuit being brought about against founders, mm-hmm. and why haven't more people come and spoken out about that. So I'm wondering if you guys would care to talk a little bit about um, diversity in in the industry and, and what, what the craft beer industry is trying to do to, to correct for that.
1: Anne, do you want to? Um, yeah? Sure. That's something that many of us speak about a lot, um, because we are in New York City. Mm-hmm. And just from that perspective, diversity is all around us all the time. And we are very lucky within our Brewers Guild that we are really well represented, quite honestly. Our, our board is exceptionally diverse as our members. And we've, um, it's a constant conversation because we do want – like beer is for everyone. Beer is inclusive. And no one ever wants anyone to feel excluded. So, you know, what we're talking about is how, how do we go about doing that without, as you were saying earlier, pandering – it's inclusive. It's something that everyone should feel is uh, approachable. Um, and I guess, again, like I keep going back to, we're in New York City, so it's it's just, it's something that is all around us all the time. And, and
0: Garrett Oliver at Brooklyn yes, Brewery was like absolutely. a real trailblazer mm-hmm. as For well. Sure. Yeah. Um, and Kat, you identify as
2: Latinx as well?
0: Yes. And um, you've talked about how um, when you have open houses, I don't know if that's the right word, but that, you know, you get a tremendous turnout from your community supporting you.
2: Sure. Um, I think that was actually probably one of the biggest surprises for me, uh, just because I got a lot of attention just for being a woman. Um, It wasn't until my launch that I had people um, from all over, from the Bronx, uh, you know, and Queens come down and say how important it was to them that I was Hispanic. Um, and then I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that because, you know, it is an underrepresented uh, minority uh, in beer. But that's changing very rapidly, which is cool. Um, there's festivals uh, that are being thrown. Um, it, just like anything, uh, you know, it takes us being welcoming and um, open to other people coming through. So, like, I the founders thing is disappointing, um, mm-hmm. and to maybe, say the least. Maybe like,
0: people don't know about the founders yeah. issue. Would you mind just...
2: Yeah, um, the the lawsuit, from what I understand, is a past employee member um, that said he got called a lot of derogatory terms when he was there, and I mean, it's it's very strange because it is like Ann was saying, beer beer is community, you know, so we don't really ever expect. Um, that to be the case. But if you can imagine being maybe the only person of color that works at um, a brewery in like the Midwest, and then having to deal with that, um, it's just really disappointing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's going to come of it. But I would say it's disappointing, because we've never done, we've never had something like that happen. Like I was saying, we, our board is so diverse, like, you know, we don't even think about it. But um, yeah, it, you can read more about the lawsuit uh, without saying any bad things, like uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out for them. I hope it I hope he gets everything out of it because it sounds like he had a really horrible working environment. Mm-hmm.
0: So I mean, I guess maybe one somewhat unusual thing about the beer industry is that as opposed to like, um, you know, media or entertainment or uh, industrial manufacturing that might be centered in specific geographical locations, like beer is all over. Mm -hmm. And so that perhaps you're dealing with things on an industry-wide level, but also, you know, on a a regional and, and cultural level as well. I don't know if that rings true at all. Um, but maybe we can try another beer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and do you want to sure. so pour something? Sure, so I think,
1: um, yeah, moving from Kyle's, uh, which is a lager, <laughs> <laughs> we can um, open the Five Boroughs Pilsner, which is a Czech-style pilsner, and it's one of the styles we make uh, now five styles that are available all year. This is one of them. This is a very traditional, as I said, Czech-style lager. Our head brewer, Nick Griffin, mm-hmm. is a big fan of traditional styles and does lagers exceptionally well.
0: I want to talk a little bit about like brewing role models. Um, who who in, who were influences in your lives as you were coming up? I think this is yours oh. Oh, as well. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> um, Kyle, anyone who made up a big difference in, in the way that you think about beer?
3: Um, you know, I I always joke that you know. I've been homebrewing since before it was cool. <laughs> uh, so I, I started homebrewing in the late '90s, and really at that time, like, you know, there's you know a wealth of uh, you know, people and, and resources, books, uh, videos. Uh, you know, I, I relied a lot on my local homebrew shop at the time. Um, but really, f- you know, for me, and I'm sure a, a lot of us who you know background is in homebrewing is Charlie Papazian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he uh, he founded the the you know the Brewers Association and. Uh, more or less spearheaded, you know, uh, homebrewing becoming legal uh, in, in all 50 states in the United States. So we're, we're you know, thankful to Charlie for that. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, for me, um, it was, yeah, it, uh, a lot of that, um, you know, uh, Sam Kiligione, well, I'm probably saying his name wrong, um, from Dogfish Head was, was big for me. We do a lot of, you know, kind of extreme experimental stuff. And he wrote a book called Extreme Brewing, which um, I still flip it open, you know, if not once a week, sometimes more often, to, to you know, as a reference for me, mm-hmm. because I'm I, I really a fan of kind of those uh, you know, risks that he took in, at a time when it wasn't as, as widely accepted as it is today. So uh, th- those are a couple of my uh, influences.
0: So we've really seen this movement from. Home brewing as a hobby to an explosion in the craft beer industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of the smaller breweries like you guys depend on, you know, um, limited releases or, you know, cool, hard to get beers. And I know that the uh, government shutdown um, impacted craft breweries in a way that many people weren't aware of. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Um, yes, for, for us, for Five Boroughs, we are exclusively in New York. Um, you know, the idea behind Five Boroughs is to be the brewery for New York City. So we, we were lucky enough that it didn't affect us because we were not sending beer outside of the state during the government shutdown. But one of our colleagues, um, colleague brewers, um, Fifth Hammer, who they were planning to attend a really well-known festival and had to unfortunately pull out because their beers were not approved to – Cross state lines, um, the labeling process—it's gotten better and faster. I think as recently as three years ago, it was still one guy in the government who was approving all the labels. You no know, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It was kind of insane.
0: He can never get sick, <laughs> right?
1: Well, he now has a team of—I think it's 17, but okay. all 17 of them were furloughed. So it, it's already, as you're well aware, beer is is growing constantly here in the United States. So those piles, I'm sure, just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and um, you know, a number of our breweries are New York City breweries who do distribute outside of New York. It was absolutely a big problem for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Kyle Kat, did that touch your business at all?
1: Uh,
2: I don't think people realize what we have to do uh, for label approvals. Mm-hmm. Um, every single one of these labels has to have, you see all the little small text and everything, it has to be approved by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are brewing a beer and you can't get that through, you're not. You're technically not allowed to label it or sell it in any um, anyway, you also have to uh, submit your recipes so that's a whole other side of it And with the government shutdown like none of that ca- can happen right like so it does in fact like slow everything down um, I personally wasn't submitting anything um, Like label wise while that was happening. So it wasn't for me, but I'm sure you guys were and you got held up
3: yeah, sim- similar to uh, Fire Rose, we don't do a lot of distribution um out of state you know, we did a beer festival in boston but to bring our beer there you know we, we had to have approval and uh we ended up changing because uh, we do introduce a lot of new beers pretty frequently um so it, it did impact us there but we weren't you know selling it there and, and, and it, you know it wasn't anything uh you know you know as we're you know approaching uh you know an opening of a second location for us we were able to hold on to that beer for uh, for our opening instant, <laughs> so so that that's you know that was good for us. But like I said, it's um, you know New York State has been great. Uh, it's very it's Absolutely. probably if not one of it's probably the most progressive state for brewers, in that we're the only state you can get out of a distribution agreement. You mm-hmm. uh, don't require uh, federal approval for in state distribution. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of really great things that um, you know are, are you know. Current uh, state government has done a lot for us to, to make. Uh, to, I guess to, that's part of why you see so many breweries in New York City and,
0: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. You know, in
3: the boroughs here. And
0: craft distilling as well. I know that New York. Is, oh yeah, distilling. Yeah. Is Very is progressive really on that. Up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how have your guys's personal beer palettes evolved over time? Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anne, yeah, okay, absolutely. we'll start. We'll
1: start with you. Um, yeah, it, it's. I mean, <laughs> I mean. Katerina and I have known each other for a number of years.
2: Yeah. we're like um. friends. <laughs> we <We're> like <laughs> friends. Valentine's Day together. Okay. So. Um,
1: but it, it it definitely has, and it's something that probably as recently as three, more like four years ago, I was looking for something. You know, we, we refer to them as palate wreckers, something that had an exceptionally strong flavor right away. And you know, working for a brewery and working in events for breweries, I'm regularly asked, "What's your favorite style of beer?" And my legitimate answer is, what's the lowest ABV that's available at the event? <laughs> what can I drink a
0: lot of yes? For
1: sure, it's an, it's kind of an inside industry joke that all of us go for the pilsner at the festival. Um, <laughs> yes. So is it the like
0: the like you know 12% double IPAs, you know, they're getting crazy. That's not what you guys drink. Those are
1: great to taste. Yes. I, I, don't want to drink those all day
3: and the <laughs> is consumers love them yes uh, in new york city what you know another piece that makes us great is you know, we all get together at least once a month if, yeah. if not more often yeah. um but so we all like Ann said we all you know we all like the like the pilsners like the lighter you know uh, easier drinking beers and then you as you read about you know consumer tastes and they want you know double ipas and imperial stouts and you know these barley wines i'm like you know i like those too but you know when you're in the industry and you're doing this every day uh it it takes its toll on you <laughs> right right
1: it, they taste phenomenal and they're fantastic oh, no, no. um sure. but it's not something you can drink all day at an event or at a beer fest? Or I mean, you can. <laughs> well, it's wrong. not yeah. it's part of the day. Right. You yeah. won't be as <laughs> functional as you <laughs> right. ought to be.
2: sure we'll see a lot of that on Saturday. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, what, yes. what trends? I mean, so you guys all get together in what sounds like you know, a secret cabal. Uh,
1: do you like, wear like, robes? Or, <laughs> we, yeah. we break out our alewife caps. Yes. <laughs> exactly.
0: Excellent. Um, so do you guys, like, do you also not only see what the prevailing market forces are, but Decide what trends you might want to pursue, or how you might want to influence—I don't know—the the public taste. I don't know if
3: it's as much <laughs> of that really. Is is it is a chance for us to you know, get together? But really, our primary focus is you know, New York City Beer Week, and, and you know a lot of effort, energy goes into our, our opening bash. You know we rotate uh, a different brewery hosts. We meet once a month and. Uh, yeah it's more or less uh, you know a support group uh, for, for one another when we're not talking about you know uh, beer week we're talking about the industry uh, but we don't get into a lot of the style uh, discussions or trend discussions as much as uh, you know uh, things like uh, label approval or you know like what are you know challenges Yeah, you know, spent grain yeah. removal it's, it's it's a challenge we're all cool. facing yeah here. it's and, really it's you know really and just trying try to figure stuff. out how to yeah. tackle you know <laughs> yeah. b- more, you know, I guess global problems, meaning sure. you know, f- for for all of us than for any one brewery.
0: Um, so why don't we taste something that you've brought, Kat?
2: Yeah, I brought. So I just went up to Maine. So I brought beer from a couple of people that are going to be at Opening Bash, oh, which great. is okay. exciting. Um, one's Bissell Brothers, and the other's Oxbow. So NYC um,
0: Beer Week, not just for New York brewers. Yes. No,
2: so it's it's actually the coolest part I think is that we get to bring in a lot of breweries that. Um, you know, people have done collabs with. Um, again, beers community. Uh, so it is about the week itself. There's a lot of events that we're involved in. But Saturday is going to have, it's going to be great to have uh, our beer that everybody gets to taste. And often. I should note
0: that this is going to air in the future. So by the time people are listening, I'm so sorry you've missed the opening bash. But you can still go to events. Everybody can go to events. Yes, yes. yes.
2: The, it goes all week, uh, all next week. Um, we do this all the time, go to other breweries and see, you know, what's happening and, um, yeah, I guess you get style influences from things that they do and some breweries are really good at it, so you chase that, um, But, yeah, that's great.
0: Um, While we're trying this cream out, out. um, we actually have a little game that we've prepared for you guys. (laughs) Are you familiar with Two Truths and a... (laughs) Two Truths and a Lie? Uh. Did you guys, like, go to slumber parties where you played this? (laughs) Two Truths and a Lie? Um, So, the idea is that I'm gonna give you three names of beers uh, and only two of them are going to oh be God. real. Okay. okay. Oh, God. So, so Kyle, we'll start with you. All right. Oh, and we you. are, we are keeping track. We're keeping score. I don't know what you
3: win. Uh, glory. Okay. The home version of the game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> two of these are real. One is not. Hazy Susan, Moose drool, William Howard draft, which one is not a real beer?
3: William Howard Dragon. That's
0: correct, <laughs> that's yeah. correct. That's such a good <laughs> name though, yeah. this is good. We can I think that, that is it. the name save. of a homebrew yep. that uh. our producer created, but it's not commercially available, so. Well, I'd right. love to try it. Okay, great, I'll, I'll hook you guys up. Um, Ann, are you ready? Okay. Sweaty Baby, <laughs> optical Illusion, Smooth Hopperator. A is the Sweaty Foss. baby is. Correct. That's correct. Okay, you guys are doing great. Oh God! Right, what, would
1: it be it yeah, would right. be a goza. It would absolutely be a goza. We did make
0: the, the problem when we were it's trying so to come gross. up with the fake names is yeah. that it turns out that, that we were real. coming up with real yeah. names. What? That we, that's yeah. our problem every <laughs> single day. Yes, yeah. yeah, somebody already has the name. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, God. Okay, Kat. Um, oh, hi, Merck. Overlord's dictation. Above ground pool.
2: Above Ground Pool? That,
0: the, oh, yeah, okay. you guys,
2: That's a great name. You There's guys no can
0: have there. it. I came up with that. I give That's it to It's a nice
2: 3.2 <laughs> percenter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> above ground pool.
3: That'll be our next collab. Yes.
2: yes. yes. Very good. Cool. Exactly. Very good. I expect
0: a case deer. to arrive on my doorstep. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, back to you, Kyle. Borderline ethereal, backwoods bastard, he's a real jerk. <laughs>
3: He's a real jerk. <laughs> that's
0: yeah. a Are really you sure good that isn't is one of your <laughs> beers? <laughs> sounds kind of like a lineup yes, line That's a bad day here. that you yeah. went on. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and to you, okay. Lick Filet, Fear Beer, Creepy Pete.
1: Again, I'm going to go with A as the false name. Okay,
0: that is correct, but this was actually a trick one. None of those exist. Oh. <laughs> but that is correct. All right. This could be... You got... This could be...
3: Go for the sweep. Yeah, yeah. sweep here.
0: All right, ready?
2: A lot of style. Even more
0: stop. Jesus, even less Satan, Citra ass down.
2: Even less safe. That's correct. We've had both of those. You guys a lot. dominated
0: at this game. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, really excited about NYC Beer Week, uh, people. It's going on now. If you're listening to this, it's going on now, yes. so people mm-hmm. can check out all the events. Um, Kyle and Kat, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Our next guests have been marginalized, overlooked, underrepresented, and ignored. But don't worry, they have a sense of humor about it. Joining us today are the founders of the Black Women in Comedy Festival. Joanna Briley is the festival's director. Welcome to Woman 2 bk Thank you, thank you. And with her is a familiar face here at Brick House, comedian, actress, and writer Holly Harper. Good to have you back in the studio.
4: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So, Joanna, um, you write on the website that The Black Women Comedy Festival was born of rage.
5: Yes. Can you tell me about that? Well, I was having a discussion in a Facebook group, uh, and it turned into an argument of sorts. And at the end of the argument, I was like, you know what? Later for you guys, we're going to create our own festival.
0: What was the argument?
5: Well, there was a festival happening. And we didn't see any black women in the festival. So we questioned it. And although they did say they had some, we just didn't see it in their um, article. There was a particular article that came out. Mm -hmm. And we didn't see any black women in the article. And we was like, hey, what happened? You know, there's so many black women in New York. How come there aren't in your festival? Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, we do have some. It's just the journalist chose not to use... The black women in the article, and so we bought it, but then we didn't buy it. And I right. was like, you know, well, okay, if that's how it's going to be, let's just create our own, create our own festival. And it was so quick because I just started. Oh, I went to the website. I, I just started gathering so much information because I was upset. I was upset, and I normally don't get upset. Uh, I say I don't. I don't do drama, I do comedy, so I um.
0: It's not the black women drama festival. Exactly, yeah, yeah. it's comedy Although, festival. Although I would
5: attend that as well. Yes, yeah. you know, there might be another section. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: and is that, is that sort of a typical experience that you guys have had of like looking at a lineup
4: and not seeing anyone who looks like you? Well, I definitely do see that. I just wanna uh, say that I'm not one of the founders of the festival, I'm a participant, yes. I'm very proud. Yes. So happy to be in it, so honored. This woman is a yeah. creator of the festival. She's amazing, Joanna. Duly noted. Absolutely amazing. So I just want to get that out right Absolutely. at Absolutely. But I do see a very uh, serious lack of representation because I see black women like We, we do shows, yes. and I see other shows that are like, you know, more geared towards women or black people. Even very rarely, like a black woman. There is a ton of black female comedians, yes, and they're hilarious. And so when I do these shows, sometimes I'm like, how come I'm not seeing them here and there and everywhere? So there is a lag, there is.
0: And have you ever been on um, a lineup where you are the only black woman?
5: Yes, in my career, I have 20 years in the business, and I remember either it was just me or another black comedian, in the show but not on the same day. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's right. either me or her. Right. You yeah. know that they choose for this particular lineup. God forbid you have two black exactly. women on the exactly. same exactly. bill. So take over. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is that what does that do to your comedy then when you are potentially the only black woman on a lineup? Do you feel the need to like speak for all black women or do you feel more pressure to, you know, represent the people in the audience who may be there?
5: I try to, each time I'm on stage, I share a part of myself, my reality. Um, I don't necessarily speak for everyone because, you know, my upbringing um, basically dictates how I get on stage or what I do on stage. Um, So if I am the only black woman, they're going to get my experience. And usually it's funny. When there is a lineup and there are more than one black, you see so many various... Um, styles. And perspectives. And perspectives. So that's why this festival is so important, because I, I just don't understand how the industry never thought to do this. Yeah. Because they're looking for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, SNL had, you know, hired a few black women. It was like a hunt three uh, four yeah. years ago. So, yeah. I mean, Right,
0: because there was a huge problem where they didn't right. have any black people. Exactly. And we had a black president, we had yes. a black person, and they were like, oh, yeah. I guess we should probably <laughs> get hire some black actors exactly. for this show. Exactly.
5: exactly. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm the fact that uh, this festival was born out of rage and frustration, I'm so excited that it's here in New York City,
0: yeah,
5: uh, the mecca of stand-up comedy. So we have SNL here, I know. you know? So uh, I'm hoping that the industry come out uh, to see us and to see the different women from all over that have submitted and were selected. It's gonna be fun.
0: And Holly, do you think that coming from a place of rage feeds into better comedy. Like, do definitely. you think that um, somebody who has been born of privilege, do you think that they're, like, inherently less funny? <laughs> uh,
4: no. Okay. No, I don't, because I, I've i I've, I've, hung with some very underprivileged and some very privileged people, and it's not about being underprivileged does not right. make you funnier. Mm-hmm. I think it's just if you are born funny. I think you're yes. just a funny person. It's a name. Definitely. Uh, but I definitely think that... Black women, in in coming up, seeing a lack of representation has definitely put a rage in me, too. I've uh, come back to stand-up. I started out as a stand-up, and then I went into sketch comedy, and then came back to stand-up comedy, and now I do both. But my sketch comedy group that I formed was definitely out of rage because I was not seeing black women in sketch comedy the way we should. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy because I remember the rage moment that I felt. I remember... I'd come back to watching SNL after not watching it for like 15 years, and all of a sudden I was like, are you kidding, there's still not black women, and not even more than one, or just none? And I was like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, nope, nope, I'm doing my own show.
5: Joanna, you have a show called Laugh Tracks? Yes, because yes. I also work for the MTA. Tell me what you do for the MTA. <laughs> I'm in the token booth. I'm one of the nice ones. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, yes. thank
0: you. And I'm sorry for everybody who approaches yes. you with a bad Aww. attitude.
5: But that's where I get my material from, because.
0: What a rich mind yes. to, oh, <laughs> what games yeah. oh, mine.
5: Oh, I love, um, I just love interacting with different people mm-hmm. because there's stories as they say there's 8 million stories and when you come into the subway just multiply that because you meet tourists. I love tourists. I sell them maps for $5. <laughs> <laughs> do
0: you have they a favorite do you have a favorite genre of tourist?
5: Um, the southerners. Oh,
0: ah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, the southerners. Interesting.
5: I love their accents and you know I, I usually make of them in a good way, yeah, um, and then I, I get them lost, you know. Like, <laughs> look at this space, they believe me, you yeah, know. They'll definitely go up to yes, yeah. oh, oh, all the way. I'm talking about the Bronx. Oh, my goodness! Yes, yeah. I used people to say like, Harlem, but the Wakefield, you send people, <laughs> it's the sixth line Pelham.
4: Yeah, tourists crack me up because yeah. you'll like say a train stop and they'll say things like, I didn't know it went up that far.
5: Yes, like, or they, they come to me and they'll say, um, I need the green line. Or the red line instead of the numbers because oh. they go by color codes. Right, yeah. right. And uh,
0: other cities yes, you know, exactly. do that. Exactly. Yeah. I did Boston. that when I first moved yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. But I, I love the connection that we all have when we're on the subway. Mm-hmm. We're one. No matter where you come from, when you swipe your card, you're a regular person. No matter yeah. where you come from, privileged, uh, underprivileged, homeless. You know, there was a homeless guy on the train this morning, and he had all his wares with him, and he was talking to himself, you know, and everybody just left him alone. But there were some people that said, look, I need a seat. You know, you yeah. don't look that homeless, you know? <laughs> you have like, you have like grades of homelessness. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody New makes York.
0: calculations, yes. you know, risky where some they year. are at yes. that day. It's like, you know. People
4: will really rally together on the subway though. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It is a
0: great equalizer, it right? Is. Is. Um, Holly, you also have had uh, a terrifying experience with public transit, is this right? That you yeah. you were almost hit by a bus? Oh my gosh, is that right?
4: <laughs> oh I, yes. Oh my gosh, I was on a Twitter fight and I walked right out into the intersection <laughs> and I almost got hit by the B-38, like this, oh, yeah. Twitter is
0: dangerous. It is.
4: Yeah, I know, it was crazy because I was like, no more Facebook fights, only Twitter fights. <laughs> and the Twitter fight almost got me killed. And, and I was like, no
0: more Twitter fights.
4: Yeah, I do my home. at home, <laughs> up on the couch. But now I have a whole thing. My kids are like, mama, we walk down the street. And then I get to this, st- and we scratch the street, and it's just <laughs> and wow. right back on. But yeah, yeah, that bus will hit you.
0: I mean, I think this is a good PSA, potentially,
5: <laughs> right? Like,
4: I'm amazed at more people that don't get hit by buses and trains and cars the way people are on
5: their phones. Well, I think they I do. We guilty. just don't get the reports of it. A lot oh, of things right. go unreported. Oh, yeah.
4: That's right, I, maybe the journalist just chose not to cover
0: it. Exactly. Yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> A guy on his bike with a kid in the thing, and he was. Oh wow! Nobody had a helmet. I was like, wow, wow. In really? Singapore, they have a website where people post uh, public shaming
0: photos oh. of fellow citizens, where they see what? them doing things like that. Um, they I
4: actually
5: do that. They
0: actually do that. It's I wouldn't advocate for right, that, right, but yeah, it is like sort of shaming. a wow. it's public shaming.
4: Yeah. They had that something here a few years ago with nannies. Um, I'm
0: curious about. How, do you guys feel like there are limits to comedy? Are there topics that are just not funny mm. ever?
4: Well, I want to say that, yes. but then I don't want to underestimate somebody's ability to make a joke. Yes. My... Because I know there's things that I don't touch, Right. but I don't say it's off limits for everybody. What are some of the things that you won't touch? Well, I haven't. I haven't come up with any good rape jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I haven't. But... Somebody might, do you know what I mean? Like, but like that, we, that you're actually punching up, that you're right. not punching down. down. You know yes. what I mean, Like, how do you, if someone can make a joke and punch up, maybe that's a skill you have. I don't yes. have that skill with a rape joke yet, mm-hmm. but I'm not saying
5: someone doesn't have it. What about you, Joanna? I don't, I, I agree with her, the rape joke, I haven't. I've done a rape joke, you know, cause that's all comedians, most comedians, that is a tool that we use mm-hmm. to heal. My mom passed away, my sister passed away in the past six months, and I actually got on stage the day she passed, my sister, and I was like, oh my God, my sister passed, and I get all my clothes back. Like, cause she I stole remember my that. clothes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so I was like, sister I get, problems. Yes, I was like, uh, yeah, she got my clothes, now yeah. I get my clothes back. So it was cathartic, and you know, that's the healing process. Right. I think if I didn't have comedy, my sister died August 1st, my mom died December 17th. Oh my so goodness. back to that's that, if I wasn't a comedian, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'd probably be in front of, uh, on the L train jumping, you know, because that's. Yeah. You, know, you have to laugh. Yeah. So but what to. about.
0: So you're telling that rape joke feels very different potentially mm-hmm. from like a straight cis man telling that rape oh, joke. Yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what do you say to um, comedians who are maybe doing like, uh, you know. Racial or sexist humor,
5: and they're like, "It's just a
0: joke." Like, well, can't you guys take a I joke?
5: Think, I think the intent. Hmm. You can feel the intent of the joke, whether yeah. it was malicious, yeah, or whether it was authentically funny.
4: Yeah,
5: um, I've uh, there's a comic, John Moses. I love him dearly. Oh, he's crazy. He's yeah. a trip. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. Um, he's a white redhead Canadian. Uh, I love him dearly, and he has so many jokes that are like on the edge. And a lot like, of them are ooh. dark. Yeah, it's very dark. But it, it's good material, you know? Yeah. It's it's almost um, like Bill Burr to a degree. Yeah. Like, you know, where they just More talk. acid though. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. more acid. Uh-huh. John Moses, I love him to death. But yeah, he, he could have some stuff. Even J.C. Best mm-hmm. has some stuff that is like, ooh. That's kind of rough. What do
4: you think, Holly? I think that if you're gonna tell a joke, that you know is foul, like it's really gonna offend somebody, then the joke has to be funnier than it is foul.
5: Yes. Mm -hmm.
4: You have to be funnier. And I don't know if this is the perfect example, but it's something that totally took me off guard. I went to go see this, I went to open mic one night, and this guy was creepy, he was mad creepy, and he was telling all these, and some of these jokes were just not funny. We did this one joke where he was like, um, he said, uh, yeah, so I served time for rape. And everyone was like, Oh my God. And I'm thinking, like, please say statutory. You know what I mean? Say something like you were 19, she was 17. Right. You know what I mean? Like, say something. Right. And then he was like, but he didn't. He was like, it was really funny because, you know, you go out on a date and, uh, you know, girls always wondering, like, am I going to sleep with them or not? And I already know.
5: Oh, wow.
4: And it was like, <clears throat> like, but I was like, you know what? You did win a writing award <laughs> right wow. there.
5: Wow, wow. Because
4: the writing was, you know, like, I yeah. didn't want to laugh. Yeah. I think people were just like, <sighs> But it was like a. Was that yeah. his persona
5: though? Was this that his persona? persona. Okay, cause um, have you seen him again?
4: No, <laughs> yeah. no. I mean, I wouldn't be in the hallway with him yeah, on myself. Wouldn't wanna, no, wouldn't run, a, run into that persona okay. in a dark alley. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going in the closet. Also, I'm not getting you know, get my coat out the closet with him near, around. Yeah, also, yeah.
0: like as a comedian, I imagine that you know you're going for laughs, not like. Wow! <laughs> like that's not that's the. Called, that's some of it's called. There are people cringe. that were dying laughing. Cringe yeah. yeah. humor. I was like,
5: this cringe, it was cringe humor. humor. Cringe humor, shock humor. Yeah,
4: absolutely.
5: Uh, some, some choose. I just want to be funny. I, I just want people to laugh. I want people to feel good. Yeah. Um. I want them to look at mm. me and like. I wouldn't expect that from her, especially the rape joke that I did. Also, that I sell tourist maps for five dollars. Like nobody would expect. Is that a markup, s- by the way? Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Totally. The part that's yeah, because it's free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could sell them for two dollars, oh but gosh. the thing is um to give people that come to my window an experience that they never had, I'm kinda overcompensating for all the coworkers that do you do know, g- give a bad, you know, I can't even say it's a because you don't know. We're in there eight hours.
4: Yeah, I don't know what's
0: going and on. And I like. say,
5: just give us a snicker sometimes. All we need is a snicker. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. we're hungry.
0: Unless you have a nut allergy, <laughs> exactly. then that's dangerous. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Then it's like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> yeah.
5: Feed me. Okay? Do you tell jokes to people who come <laughs> yes. up to your windows?
0: Oh yeah? Yes. Yeah?
5: Yes. Like so, what's, like. Well, if, one of the like, people ask me, um, Can I get five? And I'll just put my hand up, like,
4: ah, let's do Ah, do a five.
5: Um, uh, Is that my train? I say, oh, do you own trains now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or how long is the next train? I was like, oh, about 80, 90 feet. Oh, that's like, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. stuff yeah. like that, quick.
0: I imagine it, for like the non-native English-speaking yes. tourists, that gets really confusing. Yes, well,
5: I would yes. Well, yeah. once I know they're tours, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. The regulars, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The yeah. regulars, I'll do. I'll I'll mess with them, and when they get that I'm making a joke, they it, they appreciate it yeah. because it's unexpected. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when I first started doing MTA material, I wasn't nice. I was mean. I was like, read the damn signs. You know what you think? So now I'm like, okay. Let's make it universal where I make fun of you, I make fun of me. I can't wait for the fare to be $3 cuz I'll be fast, you know. Because yeah. 275. Yeah. $2. Right, $2. $2. $2. Right. $2. No no quarters. No quarter, no change is easy. When it was $2, oh man, the line was yeah, moving. Yeah, me. that's yeah. right. Uh, And I I used to say, I I know my 10th grade teacher would be so proud of me (laughs) on multiple occasions. But the goal is to make sure people interact. Customer service Mm -hmm. is our job. So I want people to be happy. And as a comedian, we're actually customer service reps. It is. We're here to represent the club, represent ourselves, and make these people our friends and supporters. And that's what I've been able to do with the show, Laugh Tracks. Laugh Tracks was born... Because I was sitting in a booth and I love to laugh and I work by the tracks. I put it together and then I found other MTA workers that were just as funny and we put shows together and um, it's therapy. Yeah. You need yeah. therapy. You need to laugh. Yeah.
4: I know. And I started, I started stand up from waiting tables. So oh, it's like wow. the same Service type industry, of industry. Yeah. Yeah. With customers because people were just driving me absolutely crazy. And then one night I was like, I'm just going to have fun with these people and everything changed. Um, and then one night, the, there was an open mic, and there was music, and the, this guy didn't show up, and they were like, we need you to host a mic. Wow. And so then, that's what happened, that's how I started doing standing. <laughs> but it really was, but even when I get nervous now, mm-hmm. I try to look at people like, oh, this is one big table. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is just one mm-hmm. big table of customers, just be fine.
0: And Joanna, maybe we can just close out with the details of the festival. Tell us um, where people can learn more information and when it's going to be running.
5: The festival, you can go to uh, blackwomenincomedyfestival.com. It's Thursday, February 28th through Sunday, March 3rd. On Thursday, we have a meet and greet at the Brooklyn House of Comedy, uh, which is on Bedford and Putnam. One of the things that I love about this festival, it's like a pub crawl. The venues are within walking distance. So we have Brooklyn House of Comedy, we have Joe Loff Restaurant, we have Tilly's, and we have Corners. They're like two to three block radius of each other. So you could just walk to one venue to the next venue. And um, we have uh, great shows. The Icons of Comedy is one of my favorites. I produce that. And it's where comics. Pay homage to people past or present.
0: And people can find all this information. Yes, on the website. website. Yes, Yes. Or Facebook or Instagram. Great. All right, well, Joanna Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us.
4: Thank you so much. Hope
0: you come to laugh. Yes. (laughs) And that's the show. Join us next time when members of the Worcester Group Theater Company take us to the B-side, their new show at St. Anne's, all about the songs and spirituals from deep within the Texas state prison system. See you then. one 2 bk is hosted by me Mackenzie Fagan. It is series produced by Ross Tuttle, also produced by Fred Brown, Shereen Bargie, Isabel Alcantara, Naeem Van, and Emily Bogosian. It is recorded in studio by Clinton Filson Jr., Eric Hagaseg, and Antonio M. Rosario. It is post-produced by Alexander Point edited by Mira Al Rahim, and executive produced by Jonathan Leaf, Sasha Mathias, and Aziz Isham. <laughs>